Well, good morning, church. I'm really hoping I remember how to do this. If not, please forgive me. Um, if you're here uh, maybe for the first time today, or if you, haven't, um, if you haven't been around much, my name is Jesse. I'm the pastor here at Waterway Church, along with Pastor Steve. And um, I've been on a sabbatical since the beginning of June. And for, for me, what it means to be on a sabbatical, this is kind of worked, uh, worked into our contracts that, that Steve and I have here. Um, and when this was started, actually when I started employment here, the sabbatical was a strategy by the church district that we were part of to make sure that pastors continued to learn, continued to have time to rest, um, and continued to have time to dig into things that might not be dug into on the week to week. And so I've been able to enjoy the summer church. Thank you very much. Um, thank you for the blessing that it's been. Um, we did spend a little bit of time traveling, um, spent a lot of time reading and studying, thinking about things that I'm going to be preaching and talking about for the next couple of months. Um, I'm going to ask for your prayers. I've started, um, started taking some classes again, working toward, uh, working toward a doctoral degree. And so that's something I'm frankly not sure why I'm doing that. I, I feel like I feel like God kind of, and I talked with the elders about this back in the spring. Um, I, I don't have like another job that I want to go do or any particular thing that that I think that this is for. I feel like God had, for a couple years, has been kind of working on this, and for some reason, it feels like the timing is finally now. And so that's something that's happening kind of in my free time, and I'm a little nervous about it because it's. It's big, and so I'm just going to ask for your prayers for that, but I got to get a good start on that, and so those are some of the things that I've been working at, um, but it is, a, it is a pleasure to be here with you today, kind of getting back in to the swing of things here around church. Um, before I go any further, though, I do want to let you know I got a prayer request, uh, a call, and I, and I didn't get it into the, uh, to the update in time. Let's pray for Norma Pierce. Um, Norma Pierce is related to a few of you here. Uh, Norma is 67. She is the wife of Jim Pierce. Jim was helping out a lot in our garden this year. Um, but Norma Pierce is going through liver failure right now. She needs a liver transplant. That's been very difficult to line up. She's in the hospital at Elkton, and her husband Jim told me yesterday that it looks like unless she gets a transplant, she doesn't have very long to live. Um, so Jim and Norma just ask for our prayers. Can we take a moment and pray for Norma as... She's just kind of going through this right now. God, we lift Norma up to you. Um, Lord, I don't understand so much of how these bodies work. I don't understand exactly what Norma has going on inside of her body. And Lord, we admit that we don't know what your plans are. But Lord, we give Norma to you. We give her husband Jim to you. Lord, we trust that you will come through with what is right. If that means more life on this earth for her, Lord, I pray that you would bless it. I pray that you would line up a, a, a liver for her body. Lord, if it's time for her to join you in heaven, I pray that you would prepare her for that and, and Jim as well. But Lord, we give her to you. And, and so we release her to your care and say, Lord, let your will be done. Pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so today is going to be a little bit of a different kind of a sermon. It's a little bit of a warm-up, as Anthony mentioned, next week um, at our tailgate party. Next week, September 12th, we will be worshiping outside. Um, most likely, our stage will be set up on the other side of this wall, so here on the east side of the church. Um, so at our tailgate party next week, bring your chairs, bring your chili or other kind of food to share for lunch. But I'm um, going to be kicking off a study of Revelation, and it's the book of Revelation. You'll notice there is no S 
on the end of the word revelation. It is the revelation that Jesus Christ delivered to John. It's not revelations. It's just one of those things that drives me crazy. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know when you talk about it. Anthony, good job this morning saying it correctly. Revelation. We're going to be talking about that next week. And I just want to let you be aware there are some of you who have studied Revelation a good deal and, and you're excited about it. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to go through Revelation and try to figure out how every little thing lines up with every other thing and so that we can predict the end of the world. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, he said, nobody knows the time of his second coming. He says, Jesus said at the time when he was talking to his disciples, he said, I don't even know. He said, only God in heaven knows that. And so we're not going to try to piece together all the little aspects of the puzzle so that, so that we know what's going on. We know what's going on. God is doing his work. Okay. Other than that, though, we do have a book in the Bible where God is telling us something. And so together, we're going to try to discover what is it that God is telling us. That's where we're going. But for today, I want to start out with a question. Here's the question for you. Can you smell your house? Can you smell your house? There are a lot of things in life, it seems like, that we just get used to, and we don't notice them on a day-to-day -day basis because we live it every day, right? But the people around us can smell it. Our neighbors who visit us can smell it. And I'm not just talking about you farmers, whether that be ducks, cows, pigs, chickens, or otherwise. But the reality is, is that we live in an environment that, that we get used to. We are adaptable creatures. Any of you nervous right now as you're thinking about this? Well, wait, what does my house smell like? Do people ever smell? You ever go on vacation? And I know some of you, maybe, maybe you're saying, oh, I've never been away long enough. But have you ever been on a vacation long enough? Then when you came back and you walked through your door for that first moment, you smelled your house, you're like, oh, I'm home? Raise your hand if you've kind of experienced that. I want to see if, okay, I'm not the only one. Good, good. No, there, there is that thing, and, and you kind of smell it, right? And for me, that's a comforting thing. Like, oh, it, it's always fun to be away, but it's great to be back home. And there's that smell. And I've heard it said, <clears throat> I've heard it said that, that smell is one of the senses that is most closely related to our memories, have you ever been through that? You smell something, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that's the soap that grandma used. Or have you ever been away from a place for a long time? And Any of you ever walk back into your high school after a lot of years away, and you walk in, you're like, oh, it still smells like that. It may be a good smell. It might be a bad smell. It might be something that makes you feel like you're at home. It might be something that brings up some anxiety in you, right? Because all of our memories are, are different. But smell is like that. Do you smell your house? You know, I came back to Waterway Church after three months of being away. In fact, I hadn't, I had been in the building two or three times way back in the beginning of the summer because I forgot this book or I wanted that thing, but I was out of the building for, for a couple of months. Here's a couple of things I noticed when I came back with, you know, senses that weren't so used to the environment. Uh, number one, I love this map on the back wall. Great job, decorating team. Um, we're going to be connecting in some faces and some stories um, missionaries who serve in certain places so we can have a visual and remember where they're at. It's not just the decoration. But I love that. that. That's really cool. Great job, decorating team. The grass outside looks fantastic. And it's going to be so much nicer for our tailgate party this year than last year. Great job, property team. And I guess, yay God, you know, thanks for rain and soil and seeds that work. When I got back to the office on Wednesday, there were no big messes to clean up. There's a lot going on here around this church, 
A lot of things happen in this building. Most of you only come in contact with a few of those things. Calendars and schedules are complex, but it all held together. Great job, Lana and Judy. They are our office staff, and they are fantastic. And you're all here today, meaning you didn't get fed up with church and leave. Elders, Pastor Steve, well done. Well done. It's always different when a member of the team is not present. But the team has held together well. You know what's really fascinating to me, and I I only really noticed this this morning, although I had suspicions about this because I heard whispers. There are a few of you who are in this room right now, and you would say, Waterway Church is, is my home. This is your place. And we don't know each other. I can't tell you how exciting that is. That after three months, I can come back and meet new friends who are saying, yeah, this is, this is my place. I'm plugged in here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting close to God here. Me and my children are learning here. And I had nothing to do with it. Do you know what that means? It means that you did, church. Great job, church. You are being the church. You are doing what God built you to do, built all of us to do. You're not just sitting back and saying, well, let the hired guys do it. Every believer is part of the body of Christ, right? And and we know this, and we talk about this fairly often. But I can smell the house again. And it's exciting for me to see some of you here because this church is being the church. I like to think that I help, but I'm just a helper. The church is not about me. And how exciting to know that the church is not absolutely dependent upon any one of us here, but that God's at work, and together as a community, amazing things are happening. Good job, church. Every part of the body of Christ is important. The body isn't healthy unless all the parts are working together in a healthy fashion. The word we often use to reflect this idea really is community. That's one of those words that gets thrown around a lot these days. This community is working together. Over the next year, throughout this series of Revelation and beyond, we're going to be talking, I'm going to be talking a lot and and challenging you to think about what it means to build a stronger community here at Waterway, but I'm getting ahead of myself. It's time to read the scripture. And so, will you look with me at a passage in Luke chapter 12? We're going to look look at Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 22. This will be on the screen behind me. It is indeed in all of the Bibles that are under the pews in, or under the benches in front of you. If you're new, you'll notice that there are two brown books under the chairs in front of you. Some of them are hymnals that we only use from time to time, but they're there for your reference. Others are Bibles. And so we're looking for the Gospel of Luke. It's about three quarters of the way through the Bible. I uh, forgot to find the page number. If you're looking it up in that Bible and you find the page number, shout it out. But Luke chapter 12, verse 22. I think we should read these couple verses together. Okay? Would, would you read these? We're going to read verses 22 and 23 and 24. These are very familiar verses to some of us, but, you know, in case you're getting a little warmer, in case you've had a busy week, in case you're a little sleepy, let's read these words together. And, and, and just so we're all on the same page for this chunk of the, of, of the reading, let's, let's look at the screen. Would you read with me? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are 
than birds. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got this passage here. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And in Luke chapter 12, he's giving a number of different instructions. We see at the beginning of Luke 12 that he's talking to a huge crowd. And, and now we see a spot where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, which is a slightly smaller group. These are people who are committed to him. They're, they're growing close to him. They're learning his ways. And Jesus says to them, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you're going to wear. Life is more than all that. And then Jesus says, consider the ravens. They don't worry about that. They don't have storm or barn, but God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Well, this makes a lot of sense in, in one sense of the reading, right? It, well, God looks after us. God cares for us. We don't have to worry. And so we underline the word worry when we emphasize the meaning here. We don't have to worry about any of this. But then we compare this with other chunks of the scripture because some people have used this part of Luke to say, well, I don't have to do anything. They read it as saying, well, God's going to provide. Look, the birds, what are they? But we learn all the time. You, you look at the nature channel and see what, see what the animals are doing. They're, they are working. They're doing their little things. They don't worry about their clothing because God gives them the feathers. They, they don't plant seeds. But, well, so many of you guys do that for them. But God takes care of them. And, and so there are some people who twist this and, and go a little bit too far, and they, they swing the pendulum all the way from worry to a place where they don't care at all. Proverbs 12, 27 says, The lazy, lazy might be opposite of those who worry. The, those, those who worry are so concerned about what's happening, the lazy aren't concerned at all. Proverbs 12 says, The lazy do not roast any game, but the diligent feed on the riches of the hunt. When I was a little boy, I heard mostly from old people that idle hands are the devil's playground. You've heard that, right? Laziness is a problem, and worry is a problem. We don't want our hands to be idle and lazy, but we don't also want them to be worried. How do we find the sweet spot? How do we live out what Jesus is teaching here? He says to his disciples, don't worry about that stuff, but yet it's clear that we are given assignments, we are given work to do. How do we find this sweet spot in the middle between worry and laziness? Have you ever thought about this? And it's interesting how we work it out because we're at different places. I think most of you here would tend toward worry more than you would laziness. Most of us here, because of the way that we were raised, the kind of work that we do, the kind of families that we came from, we don't have a problem at all being lazy. That's not on our radar. We tend to get too wound up in the things that we're doing. But there's a sweet spot in the middle. And, and as I was thinking about it these last couple weeks, how do we find this right spot to live? It strikes me that you can learn a lot about a person by watching their friends. Who are their friends? Who are they with? How do they interact? What is the company you keep saying about you? Well, if you want to figure out whether you're worrying or just being responsibly concerned, pay attention to the emotions that are accompanying your thoughts or your conversations? Who are the friends that come up in the midst of your conversation? Are you angry? Do your words, do your conversations, do your interactions, do they lead to anger, either yours or someone else's? Are you afraid? Are you anxious? Does your blood pressure go up or does your peace level go away? Well, then you've probably crossed the line from just thinking well to being worried. We can talk about things without getting riled up, right? But if you're wondering, well, am I worried? Am I a person who worries too much? Do I need to listen especially closely to this teaching from Jesus? Well, if your conversations 
are bringing along with them anger, anxiety, fear, and frustration on a regular basis. You may have crossed from the place of just simply talking about what's going on and thinking about the world around you. You may have crossed into a place of worry or you may have come in contact with a person who is worried. COVID has been an agitator in this whole realm, right? We'd like to ignore it, wish it was never here. I did that for three months. I could see it in us over the past year, especially in our lobby. Did you guys notice? Last year and a half or so. Every time a policy changed, and I'm not even talking about an in-house policy, I'm talking about stuff that happened out there. Every time a governor or a health director or a school official made an announcement, I could hear the conversations before and after our worship services. This is what our school's doing. What's yours doing? What do you have to deal with now? Right? We're still dealing with this. I mean, it's still going on. It's still a challenge. What is your business doing? This is what we had to do. This is what this knucklehead did at our place. Did you hear the news? Now, don't get me wrong. It's good for us to talk about these things together. This is part of what it means to be in community, right? We talk about what's happening in your life, what's happening in mine, how can we learn from each other? It's good to share our lives together. But what I saw in a lot of your lives and in mine was that these conversations weren't just about information or about even how we could help each other, how we might even be praying for each other. These conversations were making us mad. I could see it in you. I could feel it in me. We were getting wound up, right? This is not, uh, this is not a scold. I'm in this boat with you. We're going to be over the next couple of months just trying to acknowledge some of this stuff because we've got healing that we need to do, and we still live in a difficult world. But how do you know if you've crossed the line from thinking about things and praying about things and sharing things? How do we know if we've crossed the line from, from just being responsible to being worried? Well, we can see it in the way that we get wound up. And that's worry. We know it's worry because of where it leads us. You know these conversations. Do they more often lead you to prayer, to good conversation, to helpful action? Or did it result in gossip or anger? Or maybe people just not wanting to talk to you anymore. How were you dealing? And this is hard stuff that we walk through. And we're going to have to keep walking through this as the world turns. We're going to see as we study Revelation that things are going to get very bad in this world, whether we're all here to see it or not. And so we've got to be thinking about how are we going to conduct ourselves, whether there's a, a COVID kind of a problem in our world or whether it's just all the other stuff that we have to deal with as well. We are going to have to deal with this. And that's a challenge because a lot of us don't like to deal with it. I would rather not. I don't enjoy conflict. I don't enjoy confrontation. It's just easier, or at least it seems like it's easier, to just kind of ignore it and pretend it's going away. I've seen this in myself. Uh, we did do a little bit of traveling um, this summer. In uh, the last part of June, the first part of July, we took two weeks, Melanie and Bree and I, uh, to drive out to Phoenix, Arizona and back. Just hopped in the car. We drove down through the south. Like we, we were in Louisiana and New Orleans. We drove through south Texas and, and up along the border through El Paso and out to Tucson, Arizona. That took about a week. And then we came back 
slightly north on Route 40 for those of you who are, who are road people. And we came to the northern part of Arizona, New Mexico, North Texas, swung down to Dallas, up through Tennessee, and then visited some friends in Virginia. For the most part, and remember, this was early summer, COVID stuff was not a big factor, except that a lot of cheap hotels still use it as an excuse to not serve breakfast anymore. Yeah, can't, can't, have, can't have continental breakfast out there. COVID, you know, like, yeah, thanks. You, you didn't take any money off the bill, did you? COVID affects a lot of things that are not affected by COVID. But that was early summer, and, and so for the most part, COVID was not a factor, except oddly enough for when we were in Texas. And we spent about four days in Texas. Some of the most restrictive places we visited were in Texas. I thought everybody did whatever they wanted in Texas. Be careful who you listen to. They're not always telling you the whole story. And that can make us worry too. But COVID was rarely a factor in my life over the summer. I was mostly kind of in our own little world. And when I visited a church or visited a friend, it was typically visiting people who kind of thought like me. And so it was kind of easy to interact. Oh, it was a joy. Until the last week of August. About 10 days ago, I wasn't even officially back to work yet. But I was sitting around the Nafziger table. Some of you know the group of pastors that I meet with on a regular basis. We meet around the table. We've known each other for 15 years. We're friends. We get along. We don't see everything the same way, but we can argue about stuff without getting angry. You know those kind of friends? These guys are those kind of friends. But last Friday, Friday a week ago, I was sitting around the table and two of the pastors started talking about vaccinations. One of them was vaccinated. One was not. And they were talking about why. And it was a healthy conversation, but not for me. I mostly just listened as they explained their thoughts to each other. But just being around that conversation, I'll be honest with you, it just made me anxious. I wasn't worried about them getting mad at each other. I wasn't worried about, oh, this is going to destroy our group. Nah, everybody's fine. But for about 90 days, I just hadn't been around any of that stuff. Didn't watch the news very much. I knew Melanie and Bree were getting ready to go back to school. I knew the things were, I know the way the world works, but I was largely in my own little world. Do any of you know what I'm talking about? The last year or two, you can kind of retreat to your own little world, can't you? And, and then it's especially jarring when you're around people who think differently. Oh, man. That was Friday. And then last Saturday morning, as Melanie and I were eating breakfast, she asked me about how the meeting was. What did you guys talk about? And my emotions came out. She pushed me. Why was I feeling this way? And, and this is how my emotions came out. My emotions came out as in, well, everybody except me is stupid. Everybody who thinks differently than me is a moron and doesn't deserve to be listened to. And anybody who thinks differently than me, well, they can keep saying whatever they want, but it's not going to affect me because they don't deserve my time. This is how I can kind of share with my wife. This is the joyful person she gets to be around. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's very easy for me to go there to those attitudes anyway. I, I tend towards being a pompous, arrogant jerk rather than being a meek, quiet soul. And so in this time where, of course, with, with Melanie, I can say anything that, that I'm feeling, my emotions came out, and she, she pushed me. I said, do you see what's happening here? You're getting really worked up. What's the deal? 
why was I feeling this way? And as we kind of talked through this, it was a very, very helpful, blessed push. Because she knows me, and I know her. And I kind of realized that I just hadn't had to deal with this COVID and sickness issue all summer. I didn't have to think about masks or distances or who's how close to who. Didn't have to think about it really at all. That was before school started, mind you, before PA made their statements this week about masks in school and all that stuff. And now, sitting there Saturday a week ago with Melanie, all these conversations with the pastors with Melanie revealed that I had never honestly dealt with some of my feelings about COVID frustrations in the first place. Had a whole summer away from the stresses of just being at work a whole summer of really getting close to God and, and, and growing, I think, in, in my spiritual life, but still there was this blind spot that I had. Melanie helped me to realize that I was just kind of pushing a lot of that stuff away, just ignoring it for months because, well, it felt good. Just don't even think about it. Just stop thinking about it, right? Have any of you husbands ever said that to your wives? They're, they're worried about something. I don't know, just, well, just stop thinking about it. It works every time, husbands. You say that to your wife, she's going to love it. It's going to be like the most helpful advice you ever give her. I had just stopped thinking about it. But I realized a week ago that I was angry. I was dismissive of other people's feelings. I was arrogant. And I was worried. Now, I'm going to let you know that I still feel like my perspectives are still wiser than many of the other ones out there. Just like you do, just like we all do, there are still things that are right and still things that are wrong. I'm not saying I said, oh, I don't know anything. No, no, no. But my emotions, my feeling, my attitude had to get in check. That's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, don't worry about your food and your clothes. Yes, your food, that's a reality. You need it. Your clothing, that's a reality. You should have it. Some of you should have more. This is... This is important stuff, but don't worry about it, right? So I had to repent. I'm, seriously, and, and literally, I had to just repent. And for the last week, that's some of the time that I spent. God, God forgive me for, for not dealing with this stuff. God, for, forgive me for not, for not bringing this to you enough because I was still carrying it. That meant I was holding on to something that should have belonged to God. God, forgive me. God, forgive me for just being an arrogant, proud jerk because that's my tendency. Forgive me for that. I had to dig in. I had to talk to God and pray and ask for God's restoration and healing. And I knew that because of the emotions that were cropping up that I had passed from simple observation and commentary into worry. And I had to talk through all this with somebody else. I couldn't see it myself. I had to talk with Melanie to get to the bottom of it. How are you doing? with processing all the stuff in your life. So many of us in this room, we, we've, we've heard, we've read, you may have even taught a Sunday school lesson about consider the ravens. Don't worry. So many of us have heard it. Some of you have it on little plaques in your kitchen or in your bathroom. Don't worry. These are the words of Jesus. But how have you been doing with processing the stuff in your life? Maybe COVID's not an issue for you at all. Maybe, maybe you're good, you've worked through all that, but how are you dealing with your children's choices and future? 
How are you dealing with your spouse and the way that your relationship is going? Or maybe the fact that you don't have a spouse and you'd like one or you've got one that you wish you didn't have. Are you dealing with it? You don't need to be worried about it, but you can't be careless either. How, how, have you been dealing with this stuff, processing this stuff? Stuff that you've got at work. I don't know if any of you ever have challenges at work. I mean, where are you at? Do Jesus' words mean anything to you? Don't worry about this. Jesus says, I know you have to work. But you can think about it, and, and you, can, you can deal with clothing, and you can deal with food. You can manage God's provision. You can be a steward of all that without worrying about it. So, so how are you doing? How about stuff here at church? Even here, is there somebody that's annoying you? If it's me, I apologize. Is there somebody who's driving you crazy? Is there something that just doesn't seem right to you? Well, are you dealing with it in a proper way? You don't have to worry about it, but you can't ignore it either, right? Do you see the importance of what Jesus is saying here? He says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no store in barn, but God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than the birds. Believers, Christians, you know how much God loves us, right? We know that clothing's important. We know that food's important. God will take care of it when, when we keep living closely to him. We don't get to go out and just be lazy vagabonds expecting that, that, that breakfast in bed's going to show up in every morning, but we don't have to worry about it either because God has got this. Do you see the next verse, verse 25? If you're following along in your Bibles, look what it says. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That may sound like a rhetorical question, right? Can any of you do that? And we say, well, maybe I can. Maybe if I worry about it, I'll be able to protect myself. But Jesus says in verse 26, no, since you cannot, since you cannot do this one very little thing, that is add an hour to your life. Oh, that'll, that'll speak to us, won't it? We could do a month of sermons on that. You want to add an hour to your life? You can't. So be careful what you worry about. Ooh, I'm going to think about that. Melanie, remind me about that at breakfast. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing. Jesus says, oh, that's a little thing to add an hour to your life. Meaning God can do that if it's needed. Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about all the rest? Jesus says, you can't even add an hour to your life. Why are you worried about all the other stuff? And, and he didn't actually say this, but you can almost see in the parentheses, you sad, weak people. Jesus loves us and God provides for us. He knows who we are. He knows our weaknesses. He's like, look, guys, I love you, but you can't even add an hour to your lives. Why are you worried about all this other stuff? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, these are the words of Jesus, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was the king of Israel about 900 or so years before Jesus. He was the king of Israel. He was, at the time, perhaps the wealthiest man in the world. He was the wisest man in the world. He was not perfect, but he dressed like a king should dress. 
Jesus says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these flowers of the field. How many of you love going out somewhere and looking at the flowers in the field or in the woods, maybe on your table? You, you know the beauty that's there, right? You go, wow, look at the texture and the color and how it all works together. Yeah, consider the wildflowers. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And don't set your heart on what you eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. God knows that you need food. God knows that you need water. And praise the Lord, he provides so much more than that. Most of us aren't stuck with just bread and water, are we? We have choices Glorious choices. It's why we're fat. Most of us, most of us, it's because we have so many choices. Don't worry about this stuff. Don't set your heart on it. Verse 30, for the pagan world, the, the pagans, these are, these are simply people who do not believe in God. The pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows you need him, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. When I get frustrated with people, when I get tempted to worry, when I get so wrapped up in a conversation or an idea or an argument that I'm starting to get angry, frustrated, afraid, and sad, those are the times where I need to step back and say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm releasing this to you. God, I'm going to focus on you. Do you see what's being said here? Focus on God's kingdom. Seek him first. And all those other things, they will work themselves out. Maybe because God's going to miracle something. Maybe because God's going to give you just the right word at the right time to diffuse the situation. Maybe God's going to just give you patience and strength to endure all the craziness around you. Don't know. God comes through in all kinds of ways that he doesn't announce. But here Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom and all these other things will be given to you, your food and your clothing, but all the stuff that you need so that you don't have to worry. Does anybody get it? Do you hear what I'm saying? Is this speaking to you? Because I know that this scripture spoke to me. As we keep working down, there's a whole lot that we could read. I, I would challenge you, if, if you're not reading Revelation yet, to, to maybe just read the rest of Luke 12 as you go home today for lunch. But Luke 12, 32, Jesus, in speaking to his disciples, he says, don't be afraid, little flock. Jesus, the shepherd, speaking to the sheep, he says, don't be afraid. For your father's been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't worry. But what we're going to be reading and, and learning over the next couple weeks is that while we don't have to worry, we do have to be ready. Some of you old heads remember the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. That's not where we're going. This isn't just, you know, hey, have a drink, have a dance, forget it all. No, no, no. Don't worry, but be ready. The rest of Luke 12 talks about that. Everybody should be ready. Jesus is coming back one day. Everybody should be ready for that return. So we'll be studying the book of Revelation and the end times over the next few months. Again, not so that we can predict things, not so that we can get our earthly alliances in order. It's interesting, as you study the end times, earthly politics don't really matter an awful lot when it all washes out because the two sides are God's kingdom and everything else.
we might be very surprised one day about who else lines up with us on the side of the kingdom and who does not. But we're going to be studying Revelation because in these times, we need to bolster our hope and our confidence that all of what we're going through, whether it's needing food and clothing or something much more complex than that, all of what we're going through is worth it. No matter where we are in God's story, living through it is worth it. Because God says that he's got a plan and that even when things get rough, even when it looks like that evil has overcome all, no, indeed God has a plan and he will rescue his people. God will rescue his church and his kingdom is not in doubt. You and I are going to need to know that as we keep living this life that we're living. We're going to learn what the Bible says about the future. And we'll see that we don't have to worry about the future at all because God will come through. So that's where we're going. As I end this sermon today, I want to talk with you about one of the key strategies that we've got about how we are going to work through this. This is just a word about small groups. Some of you are in small groups. You have been for a while. Some of you just say that's a weird set of words. What is a small group? Well, a small group is just a small group of people anywhere from anywhere from 6 to 15 adults. It's a group of people that meets sometime during the week, not now. <laughs> Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night in somebody's house, away from the church, but it's, it's people here from the church who are getting together, and we've got these small groups because one of the things that I've realized and that you have too is that as our crowd gets bigger, it gets harder and harder to know everybody. There was a time, a couple of years ago even, at our other church building where most of us knew most of us. You'd walk in and I know them, I know where they are, I know their story. How many of you have recognized, especially some of you who have been around for a long time, how many of you have recognized that there are people in this room you don't know? There are people who have been here a while who you don't know. And how many of you have recognized, you who are a little bit more new to our fellowship, that there are a lot of people you don't know? And in a room this big, it can be hard to know how to work at building relationships. Well, one of our strategies is to have small groups. And so we've got these small, some churches call them house groups or connection groups or, um, or home church. But throughout the week, we've got these groups that meet together. They're essentially to form community. Because it can be hard to be able to relate to all the 250 other people who are here on a Sunday morning. But, but you can get to know 10 people in a living room, right? So these small groups are essential to forming community. And community is essential to living well. We've got this happening. We've had small groups going on for a long time. Many of us have been blessed by that. But some of our small groups need some shuffling, and some of you need to get hooked up to a small group. So I'm going to invite you. There is a sign-up sheet out in the lobby where if you're not part of a small group, you can sign up, and, and we will help you to get connected with one. And that group might last for just the next couple months. It might last for the next couple years. We'll see how it goes. But we've got this happening. And so I'd invite you to ask... Uh, Pastor Steve about it in particular, and he'll take down your name, and, and in the next week, we're going to really be working hard to get people connected. What do small groups do? What do they do when they get together in a living room on a Wednesday night? Well, people in small groups pray for each other because there's time for everyone to talk. People in small groups discuss and go a little bit deeper on the Sunday sermon. That's our strategy here for the fall, and usually our small groups eat something because we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat. It just appears when we show up. Thank you, small group hosts. Small group leaders, look for an email tomorrow morning with a study guide and some discussion questions and some other ideas for your small group meetings as you think about the things that we've talked about today, the things that we'll be studying next week, okay? 
And then uh, just one final word before our worship team comes up and leads us in the last song. Um, next week, as was mentioned, we are going to have uh, our tailgate party outside. And so uh, it looks like, I mean, eight-day forecast, who knows, but it looks like we're going to have a day very similar to today. should be cool. Heat should not be a factor. We'll have a good time. And then um, many of you got an email newsletter yesterday that simply said, um, bring your chairs to sit outside. We're going to have lunch together, chili and french fries and some hot dogs and some smoked pork sandwiches are going to be provided. But if you could bring either a pot of chili to share or two other dishes, that'd be great. And we'll have a great time. That's, that's next week. Um, so I guess this week, uh, if you visit my home, my house is going to smell like chili, Chad, because I've got to practice, make sure, make sure that my recipe is ready to go. Yeah, yeah. But um, this is some of the stuff that we're working at. Hey, this is some of the stuff that we're working at. And, and, and we can continue to grow closer to God because he loves us. And we don't have to worry about things. But we are going to pay attention because there's some things that God wants us to know. That's, that's the next little while. Would you stand with us as we, uh, as we sing this closing song? It's Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I think it's... Um, that we've been talking about today. Let's sing. <laughs>